God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, uh, there are peace talks that are going to be going into place. And uh, the question really is, you know, where is Ukraine's leverage? Where has it gone? So do they have any leverage? Uh, Russia will not be requesting an end to Western sanctions as part of a peace deal. And it's unclear whether Ukraine has any leverage at all in the peace negotiations. And the longer Ukraine waits, the more likely the peace deal with will be unconditional. Unconditional surrender. And, you know, what can they get Meanwhile, at the same time, you you got Russia pretty much hat in hand now asking for support and help from uh, China. So they're asking China for help. Who knew that they would need this much help? So U.S. officials say Russia has asked China for military help in Ukraine. And the White House fears move is a sign of ever closer ties between Beijing and Moscow. Of course. You know, we had it so good under Trump. We had affordable gas, safe cities, secure borders, low inflation. Jim Jordan says, never thought that would be too much to ask for in America. And it's true. And here we are. Picking up the pieces. You know, President Biden or Biden uh, had it so easy when he walked in. He had it so easy when he walked into office. All he had to do was go on vacation and things would have been so much better than they are right now. You know, we should be energy independent right now. We shouldn't be dealing with this. 
You know, the Panda Tribune writes this. Biden was handed a rebounding economy, COVID vaccines, peace deals in the Middle East, no new wars, better border security, energy independence, and a compliant media. Watching Biden's presidency is like watching someone who bowls with the bumpers on yet still can't knock down a pin. And, you know, the Federal Reserve is going to be raising uh, interest rates one to two points. And Charles Payne said it best. He said, you know, what rate hikes do is it's like a speed bump. It basically slows down a hot economy. And you say, well, I'm not really feeling like this economy is all that hot. So what gives? You know, it's not a Biden economy. I mean, the jobs he's touting are the jobs that are they're being filled back up from when people were displaced from their job due to the globalist, socialist, draconian, communistic pressure put on people. You know, and I'm thinking about creating a meme and the meme is going to say from the Green Squad, Green New Deal squad, you know, Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and Rashid Tlaib and Cori Bush and all these morons that they are they are happy that the price per gallon of gas is going to go up to $7 a gallon. They're happy about it. That how in the world are they going to get their Green New Deal? How in the world are they going to get their Green New Deal if it's $2 a gallon? Yet there was this liberal politician and pundit that was on the news basically saying, you know, uh, we, we, we should have never gotten used to $2 per gallon gas. It was actually cheaper than that. It was a buck something under Trump, President Trump, who gave a great rally speech in Florence, South Carolina this weekend. This past weekend, <clears throat> Trump gave a great speech, huge crowds, despite the cold weather in South Carolina. Lindsey Graham country. Lindsey Graham is doubling down on calling for the assassination, the assass- assassination of Vladimir Putin, which I think is like an insane thing to do. Really, when you think about it, it's absolutely insane. It's moronic, but that's what he's doing. And uh, let's see if I wanted to find that clip. But yeah, it's Lindsey Graham. I was on Maria Bartiroma and doubling down on stupid. Just a just an absolute moron. I said apparently Biden's best buddy, McCain 2.0 swamp neocon and military industrial complex salesman, Lindsey Graham never learned the lessons from JFK's assassination. Apparently, apparently never learned the lessons of JFK's assassination. Calling for the assassination of a superpower is pretty stupid. And that's what he's advocating for. 
Thank goodness Lindsey Graham is not the president of the United States. Mitt Romney. Thank goodness Mitt Romney is not the president of the United States either. Mitt Romney is, uh, he's calling for treason over Tory Gabbard, I mean Tulsi Gabbard. So Tulsi Gabbard, we played her clips uh, weeks ago. She was on Tucker Carlson and she was basically talking about how the military industrial complex is going to get rich. She gave great analysis about this. Had me scratching my head because this is a woman that voted to impeach President Trump, and I'll never forgive her for that because she turned a blind eye to due process and she went along with Adam Schiff's uh, rogue witch hunt. You know, this one-sided secret investigation in the basement of the House of Representatives. She bought into that for political expedience, but she resigned or didn't get reelected anyway. Because, let's face it, Hawaii is the last uh, state to uh, actually relieve mask mandates. They're the last ones. Hawaii. So we're we're watching and witnessing basically the uh, the end of this conflict, in my opinion. I, I don't think it's going to last much longer. I think that the peace... Everybody sort of wants peace. I, I think that this has proven to be a a boondoggle for Russia, although Russia is winning. And it's just a matter of time that Russia is going to get the deal that they want. And that we have, with our tactics and our foreign policy strategy right now, we have actually created the worst case scenario, which is a monster. Uh, we've we've pushed something that we were trying to avoid. We pushed into place and made happen this whole alliance between Russia and China. And uh, China is now poised and ready to come to the aid. And of course, if they do, that's going to create even more inflation on the world economy because we're going to have to get tough with China. We're going to have to make them pay. But a lot of this could have been avoided, all of this. Uh, there was a lot of things that were happening in Ukraine that brought us to this point. You know, everybody wants to say, if you're, if you're anti, if you're rooting against Ukraine and rooting, uh, you're rooting for Russia, and that's not exactly the case. You know, you could actually disagree with Putin and disagree with Putin's aggression while at the same time understanding where Putin is coming from. And you could actually feel sad for the Ukrainian people because they've been led down a path of globalism and New World Order dream pipe dreams and you can actually sympathize with their people because they've been misrepresented, they've been lied to, and now they're paying the price. But these are two ugly monsters in Russia and Ukraine.
But let's not make any mistake. Ukraine is no better than Russia. Ukraine is no less ugly. They're, they're just as bad. They're just different. They're weaker, number one. But they're as corrupt as you could possibly get. And so it's, you know, something I said last week. It's not, you know, it's not white hats and black hats. And like we talked about Maduro and Uruguado, or, um, Ilguardo in Venezuela, you know, the idea there was Trump went right out and he diminished the outcome of that fake election where they were using Dominion voting machines in Venezuela and did not recognize Maduro as the winner of the election. And Juan Guardo uh, is who he supported as the leader of Venezuela. And then Macron kind of piggybacked on the leadership of the United States, which was being led by Donald Trump. And he was a leader. And he'll be a leader again, hopefully. And um, And it forced the hand of people like uh, Ilhan Omar and Rashid Tlaib and all these radical socialists, part of the squad, who basically created a little union in the House of Representatives so that they could fleece America out of millions of dollars because their voting bloc changes the outcome and trajectory of the Democrat platform. And so they have a lot of muscle together. And they basically sell, they, they allow their votes to be bought and sold as a voting block. It's sort of like the Freedom Caucus. You got to answer to the Freedom Caucus if you're going to get any Republican votes from that caucus. Where we go one, we go all kind of deal. So, you know, given that the margins uh, of victory, are the, the political margins, led by Nancy Pelosi, who I there's memes floating around of her photographed with JFK in the White House. She's been in D.C. too long. Maybe it's not so much that, you know, these politicians are in D.C. so long, they're part of the problem, is what the problem is. You know, they're not the solution. Do you think things have gotten better since JFK? Let's face it. You know, JFK was assassinated not too long after she was photographed with him. Everything she touches turns to crap. And it's not gotten better since. So Nancy Pelosi, with all her years of investing in trying to help people, hasn't helped people at all. Look at San Francisco. It's the worst it's ever been. But there she is, young young uh, pol- political force, rising star, back in the days of the JFK White House. It's kind of interesting. But she doesn't have enough muscle, so that squad definitely creates the uh, creates leverage and they are they're getting rich off of it this level of corruption and these same people that have forced the draconian covid mandates down your throat have lied to you lied to you when they said 17 17 uh, intelligence agencies couldn't possibly be wrong about russian russia collusion with trump and trump collusion with russia and of course we know that's false so apparently either 17 intelligence agencies are stone-cold stupid 
or somebody's been lying to you. Someone like Chucky Schumer says, you know, the intelligence apparatus will have six ways till Sunday to get back at you. And of course, they made, they, they went after Trump. A sitting president of the United States. And we're learning about the biggest scandals in the, in the history of America and the collusion with the fake news and trying to understand what the motivating factors are and where the connections lie. And it's all about the money. And it's all about a war. There is a war going on, and it's not necessarily between Russia and Ukraine. It's about globalism versus nationalism. And the same people that were pushing masks on your face and social distancing and uh, forcing you to stay home and ruining your life, raising your gas prices, opening your border, defunding the police, and allowing people to tear your statues down. The same people that rigged an, uh, an impeachment hoax in the basement of the house. And the same people that lied to you about the Russian hoax, the media and the liberals and the neocons. The same people that rigged your elections and the same people that told you 97% of the, pol- uh, of the scientists couldn't possibly be wrong when it comes to climate. We're wrong because, you know why I know that? Because the banks are buying up more beachfront property than they have ever bought before. The underwriters seem to think that it's good investment. And the former president of the United States, Obama, who is the biggest grand poobah of climate regulations and control to help the globalists, and to level the playing field so that the poor and the middle class have the same assets despite the fact that the middle class is out there working every day and the poor are fleecing the government for all it's worth and that redistribution of wealth spread it around like he said to Joe Plummer is really basically about keeping the masses all poor not just a graduating progressive uh, linear uh, ladder that goes up the, the chain. The super elite like having their monopoly. They don't want the competition from the middle rising middle class. The super poor, they want what the middle class has. They want what the rich has too, but the rich isn't going to give it. So they're taking it from the middle class and the power elite, the aristocrats and the people in government are the ones pulling all the strings And they know that they can't hurt their own because it's the super rich that are keeping them in power. It's the middle class that's being crushed because they're a large swath of numbers, but they're powerless. Like a herd of sheep. How does a herd of sheep get herded? The herd of sheep gets herded by a few cowboys on horses. And a couple of dogs and what have you. And we have this type of leadership. Globalists like to move people around the world. They call them refugees and they call them migrants. You don't dare call them radical Islamic terrorists 
or you don't dare call them illegal migrant uh, aliens, that would be offensive. We got to call them legal migrants. Migrants. And we got to give them aid and comfort. Where's the humanity? And they move people around the world. They create these conflicts to create chaos and become a catalyst to the moving of people around the world. They'll screw up Afghanistan just to get the refugees and have them turn into votes or become their livery driver or work that meatpacking plant. The corporations love it because they get cheap labor. And it's all in the name of globalism. Globalism, which is one part of the war that's going on right now versus nationalism. People didn't like when Trump wanted to go bilateral with the trade deal because it cut out all these other little middlemen. How are you going to get rich if you're not a broker that can break things? That's right. Brokers. They get right in the middle of the deal and they break it. They make it more expensive. They make, they're the middleman that messes things up. And that's what it's all, that's what's going on here is everybody is fleecing everybody. The reason why the globalists and the Lindsey Grahams and the John McCain's of the world hate Russia and want to murder Putin. They say it. They're never going to do it. But talk. They talk the talk. Is because Russia is a com- com- competitor to their oil. You know, when you go back to the post-9-11 world and you look at Elf Oil, who is a French company, an oil company, that was violating the oil for food scandal at the United Nations with Kofi Annan and his son Cujo. And they were in violation, betraying American trust with respect to our efforts in Iraq. They were doing side deals, black market deals, with investments to, that made Saddam Hussein rich and was exploiting Iraq because Iraq was really becoming a vacuum. It was destabilized. It was chaotic. And that's what they did. You know, they, they ruined that country. And they fleeced it from its, uh, of its oil. And they had that interest in that oil. So that they didn't have to deal with Russia because they understood that Russia is at odds with NATO and there's this competition. They didn't want to give Russia a monopoly, but yet they did, but they didn't. And how does that work? They did in one part because there was opportunities. The powerful elite, like Gerhard Stroder, the leader at the time, it was Jirak Chirac, corrupt as can be, and the, the, he was the French prime minister or French president, and then Germany, the chancellor, Gerhard Schroeder. He's now head of Gazprom, who's knee-deep in Russian oil, and they keep on buying the Russian oil. 
Again, it's because you're at the right place at the right time and you're super powerful and now you're super rich. And there's a lot of this money to be made because there are roadblocks. You create roadblocks. You know, if you're a politician and you want to be taken seriously by the drug cartels, here's what you do. You promise the world that you're going to build a wall, but then you never really build the wall. You promise them that you build it like a lot of these Republicans before Trump came to town because Trump actually built the wall. But there's a lot of politicians that say they'll build it. They even pass a law. They even vote for it. But then all of a sudden, there's no funding for it. They can't fund it. They block the funding on it. What was it, $6 billion or something? We spent that in a day in some of these conflicts. But we can't afford a wall? Give me a break. What we're spending on these on the migration problem right now is more than that. So it's, a, it's BS about the money. But they promise you they'll even vote. Hey, got to take me seriously. And then all of a sudden the lobbyists show up in Washington representing the drug cartels and the banks. And they say, how about making sure that this doesn't get funded, this project never takes off. But because they're closer to the finish line and because they're closer to the reality of a wall, their stock goes up. Kind of like Tom Brady. Tom Brady makes a deal a few years back to work with Tampa Bay. Tom Brady makes that deal. It's almost like the last supper, the last deal before he retires. This has got to be the grand deal. This has got to be the biggest deal. If you want a piece of Tom Brady before he retires, you're going to pay the biggest contract you've ever paid in your life because I'm not coming back for less. And then he takes it and he gets that deal and then all of a sudden he retires. And then all of a sudden today we're finding out that he's not retired and he's going to make another last deal. How great is that that Tom Brady gets to make two last deals? deals because it's the last deal that's the best deal these politicians understand how that game is played and they'll get really close to the wall and then the drug cartels come in swish and they pay off the voter uh, they pay off the politicians and then next thing you know the wall never happens that's politics for you so Zelensky Zelensky is about as corrupt as you could possibly get, really, in a lot of ways. You know, he has a luxury villa and a spa in Tuscany. He has a super posh home in London. $35,000, million crib in Miami. Who are the oligarchs again? Who are the oligarchs? We hear about these Russian oligarchs. Don't we? We hear about these Russian oligarchs all the time. But what about the Ukrainian oligarchs? Zelensky himself. Zelensky himself can help ordinary Ukrainians and replenish the Nazovnaya budget. If, for example, he transfers $1.2 billion to the public treasury 
It is this amount that is in Zelensky's account at the Costa Rican branch of Dresdner Bank in Latin America. And it was accumulated, as it turned out, through monthly installments that reached the account of the president of the Ukraine from three philanthropists, Ukrainian oligarchs Renat Ashmedov from the First Union Bank, Viktor Pinchok with Deutsche Bank accounts, and, of course, Igor Kolomoisky. He prefers to send transfers from the Bank National de Paris in Geneva. So Kolomoisky owns Burisma Holdings. Kolomoisky, Burisma. Zelensky. And who's on the board of Burisma but Hunter Biden? Guess what? Who's on the board of Burisma but Kofor Black? And Kofor Black was Mitt Romney's personal advisor. Personal advisor. He was a deputy director of the CIA. He might have even been director of the CIA for a short time. He was also um, part of uh, Blackwater, uh, which was a, uh, a group that, uh, of mercenaries. And this was prior to the 2014 coup in Kiev. So you just, you know, you wonder what kind of things are going on in Ukraine that lend itself to this. We already heard that Victoria Nuland said that there was biolab research centers all over the place. And it would be terrible, despite the fact that the, the State Department said, no, we don't. We, they erased the website. We don't have anything to do with those types of bio-research labs. But then why were they worried about Russia getting their hands on secret documents associated with these biolabs? And with the biolabs, you know, like in Harvard was connected with Wuhan's bio-research lab in China. And now we're connected also with these bio-research labs in Ukraine. So strategically put. And for what reason? Because America has invested, with the help of Dr. Fauci, in bioweapons that are supposed to be illegal. We're talking about anthrax, we're talking about ricin, we're talking about all kinds of different stuff. We could even be talking about COVID. Manufactured, engineered viruses that can kill you. They could shut your lungs down. This was a man-made virus, this COVID thing. It was right out of a bio-research lab. Like they have several in Ukraine. And it's a wonder that we haven't seen anything coming out of that. But I would not be surprised if these things happened and they blame Russia for it, as they blame Russia for everything. If there's a spy that gets killed, it's Russia did it. And you don't even know who to believe and what to believe. 
But Russia saw Ukraine as a threat for one for some reason. And it was, I think, the buildup of influence and assets, whether it's biochemical or nuclear or dirty bombs or whatever. But somehow they didn't like the fact that a NATO allied, not part of NATO, but a NATO alliance uh, protected country like Ukraine whose politicians talk about this new world order and how they want to be part of the European Union and how they want to have their independence from Russia. And that's all well and good. They're entitled to that. But at the same point, they're being used and exploited as a puppet nation to launder money, to control energy, and to uh, facilitate perhaps business dealings that run counter to Russia's security interests. Like I say, you know, when you talk about Libya and you talk about Egypt and you talk about Syria, Obama used the Muslim Brotherhood to destabilize Egypt. And he used ISIS. He freed up al-Baghdadi and they emerged ISIS and set that up in Syria to create a thorn in the side of Russia because Russia and Syria are one and the same. I mean, they're, they're very close allies. So what you do is you take out Gaddafi, you take all of his weapons and booty, and you put him on a ship and you float him over to ISIS. Mercenaries, sort of like Kofor Black, Mitt Romney's guy, a mercenary uh, expert, and these mercenaries weren't terrorists per se. They were paid warriors to protect oil distribution channels going through Syria and Turkey, a NATO ally finding its way inroads into Europe. And you can make the argument, oh, well, that's good because it makes it so you don't depend on Russia. And Russia is trying to do whatever they can to foil that maybe trying to block the oil being sent through Syria. And maybe that's where the conflict in Syria existed. And then when Trump came along and said, I'm pulling out of Syria, the last thing that they wanted was for America to pull out of Syria because we were there to protect the uh, distribution channels. And again, there was all this oil. What were they doing with all this oil from Iraq? And who was running this, the country in Iraq after we had torn up? After George W. Bush just basically blew up Iraq, kept the oil fields, very expensive to maintain and watch and, and manage. And then they took that oil and they put them uh, through Turkey and Erdogan was getting rich off of it. And so was ISIS, and they were being used as mercenaries to make sure that this could get into Europe. And there was a lot of corporations that were part of this black market charade, charade, and that's what was going on there. 
But these people have been lying to us for too long. So Kolomoisky owns Burisma Holdings. The real person who was the benefactor to and the boss of Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, at the Ukrainian gas company Burisma Holdings was not the CEO of Burisma Holdings, uh, Zlovkevsky, but it was instead Ihor Kolomoisky, who was part of the newly installed Ukrainian government which the Obama administration itself had actually just installed in Ukraine. Remember, it was Victoria Nuland that wanted to put certain assets into place and rig an election in what the head of the private CIA firm Stafford correctly called the most blatant coup in history. Shortly after the Obama administration's Ukrainian coup on March 2nd, 2014, Kolomoisky, who supported Yanukovych overthrow, uh, uh, Yanukovych's overthrow, was appointed the governor of uh, it's a long city, Ukraine. Hunter Biden, with no experience in the industry or region, would join Kolomoisky's Burisma Holdings two months later, on May 12, 2014. A 2012 study of Burisma Holdings done in the Ukraine by the Anti-Corruption Action Center, ANTAC, an investigative nonprofit co-funded by American billionaire George Soros and the U.S. State Department found that the true owner of Burisma Holdings was none other than Ukrainian billionaire oligarch Ihor Kolomoisky. The study which founded which was funded to dig up corruption on the Ukraine president, Viktor Yanukovych, instead found that Ihor Kolomoisky managed to seize the largest reserves of natural gas in Ukraine. So Burisma Holdings changed owners in 2011 when it was taken over by an offshore Cyprus enterprise called Brasidi Investments and subsequently moved addresses under the same roof of the Ukrinovbarinia and Esko Pivnich, two Ukrainian gas companies, which happened to be also owned by Kolomoisky through offshore entities in the British Virgin Islands. So Kolomoisky owns One Plus One Media Group, who currently holds a net worth of $1.8 billion, making him the 1750th richest person in the world, 1,750th richest person in the world, owns holdings in metal, petroleum, and the media sector, where he has had a long history with Ukrainian President Zelensky, which is how Zelensky got into power through the control of that media. So for years, Zelensky's company produced shows for Kolomoisky TV Network, <laughs> one of the largest media conglomerates in Ukraine. Zelensky achieved national fame portraying a president on a hit television sitcom called Servant of the People, which was broadcasted on a channel owned by Kolomoisky. In 2019, Kolomoisky's media channel gave a big boost to Zelensky's presidential campaign while Kolomoisky even provided security lawyers and vehicles for Zelensky during his campaign, Kolomoisky's bodyguard and lawyer accompanied Zelensky on the campaign trail as Zelensky was chauffeured around 
in a Range Rover owned by one of Kolomoisky's companies. So there's this thing called the Pandora Papers showed that Ukrainian President Zelensky and his TV production partners were beneficiaries of a web of offshore firms created in 2012, the same year Zelensky's production company entered into a deal with Kolomoisky Media Group, which allegedly received $41 million in funds from Kolomoisky's private bank. Zelensky's political rival, President Poroshenko, commented on their connection during the campaign trail. Fate intended to, to put me together with Kolomoisky's puppet in the second round of the elections. So after Zelensky's victory, Kolomoisky, who had spent the last few years living between Israel and Switzerland, returned to Ukraine to keep up his relationship with the new president, nominating over 30 lawmakers to Zelensky's newly established party and maintaining influence with many of them in parliament. And of course, they're all globalists. Just like that politician who said basically that uh, she said, we're part of the new world order. We are a shield for the euro. So Kolomoisky funds the Azov, Eider, and uh, Dnipro battalions. So he has been a top funder of the, the, this Azov battalion since it was formed in 2014. He also has bankrolled private militias like the Dnipro and Eider battalions and has personally deployed them to protect his financial interests. So Al Jazeera, Newsweek, they've all written about this. Reuters. So it's a big web of mercenaries and perhaps terrorists. And so as you see, and as I said last week, a lot of this, these actions are unsanctioned. <clears throat> Just like the oil coming up out of Iraq was unsanctioned. It's black market. And it's a wild west of opportunities. And if you're a powerful politician like Lindsey Graham, you'll find yourself with John McCain hanging out in uh, special places like in in Syria and Iraq, hanging out with ISIS terrorists, photographed with people connected with these terrorist groups, and for a reason. And then finding yourself on New Year's Eve <clears throat> during Trump's transitional period, hanging out with Poroshenko. And if you're Biden, strong-arming Poroshenko, because Poroshenko is a rival to Zelensky. So apparently Poroshenko did not want to fire Viktor Shokin, the investigator of Burisma, but did so reluctantly because Joe Biden withheld the billion dollars in taxpayer dollars to get the prosecutor to pull away from Burisma and Kolomoisky. You see, it's all connected. So this uh, other one, as it says, as it turned out, Zelensky himself can can help ordinary Ukrainians by replenishing the budget with his one point two billion dollars. 
And Zelensky is not what he appears. And he's lied to, to, to his people many, many times. And we're not allowed to say that. Here's the problem, is we're not allowed to say it. If we say it, it's, it's as if we are supporting Russia's aggressive behavior and the murdering of, say, the journalist or so many other things. And there's one journalist gets killed, a New York Times journalist over the weekend, and, you know, it's, it's like Jamal Khashoggi all over again. You know, these globalists seem to have a bleeding heart when it comes to their journalists and their interests being attacked. But yet they'll cut the throats of the J6 protesters or, or Rittenhouse or any, any of those people. They'll cut their throats. So there's an article about only China can stop Russia. <clears throat> As the Communist Party and its advisory body uh, gather in Beijing this month, there has been little or no mention of the Ukraine war, a silence that is all the more deafening given China's deep-rooted sense of its unique place in history. With its unabashed great power aspirations, modern China may well be at a decision ju- decisive juncture. And what, what's interesting is this, this may mark the first proxy war between the United States and China. And, and then Taiwan will be the next. But that won't be a proxy because China will be directly involved in that. And that's what's so concerning about all of this. So Mitt Romney tweets this out. He says, Tulsi Gabbard is parroting false Russian propaganda. Her treasonous lies may well cost lives. So someone said, Mitt Romney is just defending his constituents. Those constituents are not GOP voters, of course. There's a woman as a reporter, basically she's a Russian or she's maybe not Russian. She might even be Ukrainian. I'm not sure. Um, but she's a, she's a writer and uh, she writes for different publications out of Austria. And she said, U.S. officials believe that Russia has sought military support from China amid claims that Russian military is running short on certain kinds of armaments. The developments have led to fears may undermine the West West's efforts to help Ukraine. She also wrote US National Security Advisor Sullivan warned that China warned China that it would absolutely face consequences if it helped Russia evade sweeping sanctions over the war in Ukraine. China spokesperson for the U.S. Embassy in uh, the United States, Liu Pengju, told CNN he had never heard of the Russian arms request, which is a lie. China's priority was to ensure the situation does not escalate or get out of control. Um, the American will try to persuade China not to supply arms to Russia at a high-level meeting in Rome today. And that's in Rome today. And Germany decides, in principle, to buy F-35 fighter jets from the U.S. government. 
And the exodus of refugees fleeing Ukraine continues in Europe's biggest refugee crisis this century. Almost 2.7 million people have fled the war in Ukraine. Most have fled to Poland, which have which now belongs to the countries with the largest number of refugees in the world. And of course, it's a Republican leaning. It's a very conservative country, Poland. And again, Poland and Hungary are being sanctioned by the European Union right now because of their political persuasions. Because the European Union has this doctrine that says, if you run counter to our guidelines, we will defund you. It's like censoring speech. So if, if you know, we read uh, on Friday, if Hungary decides that they want to build a wall and close down migration and not accept refugees <clears throat> or ban, you know, transgender and LBGT education in elementary school, they could be sanctioned by the European Union. So this same woman writes, China knows the United States sees Beijing as a security threat number one, particularly in the Indo-Pacific, thus providing a lifeline for Moscow keeps the U.S. not only busy in the old continent away from the Indo-Pacific, which is Taiwan, but also slows down the systematic rivalry between the United States and China. So... China could be looking at this and saying, so long as the Biden administration, the inept, you know, corrupt Biden administration, so long as they're mired down in this conflict between Russia, Ukraine, and NATO and the United States, uh, then China can pretty much extend and get away with a lot of what they've been getting away with, maybe preparing to invade Taiwan. If China agrees to this report, reported request from Russia and supplies arms to Moscow, Ukraine would become the first proxy war in the U.S.-China rivalry. So that's no small thing. It's no small thing at all. I want to talk about some other uh, issues before we head out of uh, Dodge here. Uh, the CBC has now retracted but not one but two bogus news stories purporting to link the Freedom Convoy with the truckers up in Ottawa to shadowy international puppet masters. So they've retracted these stories. But these conspiracy theories by the CBC did their job, given the government the cover it needed to pretend there was a national emergency. How do you like that? So, you know, the damage is already done, right? They create this damage, this train wreck, this web of lies, and then they get away with it. There is some good news. So watch. I said watch crime go down as more people will have access to legal weapons that will help defend them against rising lawlessness in an era of defunding the police. Alabama residents will no longer be required to hold a permit to conceal and carry a handgun. Governor Kay Ivey, signed a bill which was passed along party lines with major, uh, major Republican support and Democrat opposition, takes effect in January of next year, according to press releases from the government's, uh, governor's office. 
Ivy said she was defending the Second Amendment rights in her state. And I have some good news as well. So the good news is, is that the Scott Adams Show has started a new Substack. So uh, if you want to sign up for the newsletter, it's scottadamshow.substack.com. That's scottadamshow.substack.com. There's a picture of me. Uh, I'm going to be doing video blogs. I'm going to be doing articles that are going to be picked up by different places around. And basically, what you hear on the show are going to be encapsulated in daily articles that we're going to be sending out along with a podcast. And it's not fully developed yet, so it's going to take maybe a week to two weeks to really roll it out. But this week, we're going to be starting with writing some articles and pushing it out, and we're going to expand on this. We're going to incorporate video presentations. We're going to incorporate, um, so vlogging, uh, blogging, which has already been agreed to be picked up by several publications, uh, and that's good news for the Scott Adams Show. Uh, And then also, it's going to be uh, redistributed through our nonprofit organizations, magapac.org and buglecall.org. But the vlogging and the video is going to be kind of a fun thing to do. And I'm going to give five to ten minute vignettes, video vignettes. And this is going to be part of this subscription. The subscription's free. There's no cost. Now, there might be a premium section down the road, but right now, if you get in, we're going to grandfather you out. So that's another good thing. Um, So that you might have access to the premium uh, sections without paying anything if you subscribe early and get in early. Uh, Because eventually, we're going to be pushing for a premium section But that's a whole different thing, and that's down the road. So if you want to see the latest articles, the podcasts, and the articles that reflect the live show, and then the video presentations that supplement the show, please check us out. It's scottadamshow.substack.com and subscribe today. And with that, uh, also... If you're going to head over to my pillow, and I recommend getting the coil mattress uh, and some other products, we offer the biggest discounts using the Red State promo code called Red State. So be sure to do that, and that helps out the show, and that helps out the station. And with that, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye bye, everybody. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.